0: Welcome to this podcast from Classical 91.5, I'm Julia Figueres. The Gateways Festival is about to open in Rochester, one of the participants for the Gateways Festival is bassoonist and, and overnight host for Classical 24, uh, Garrett McQueen, who's in studio with us. Garrett, welcome to Rochester.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I hope you had an easy trip here.
1: So far, so good, yeah.
0: So we met last uh, two years ago two years when, ago. when we, we did a backstage pass with Gateways. And you, unfortunately, this year are not going to be able to take part in the Gateways Festival as a musician, although you have other things in your plate that we will get to. Yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about the bassoonist, the mom of a bassoonist. I oh, know, I didn't know that. Wow. Uh, well, yes, indeed. And, uh, and I know that this is an unusual instrument for someone to actually choose to play. So how did you choose to play this thing?
1: Well, the bassoon chose me. So uh, in in seventh grade, when I joined the band, I wanted to play the flute. And uh, my band director, you know, basically said, you know, we have enough flute players. How about you try this instrument called the bassoon? And uh, he definitely said, it's very difficult. It's going to be a challenge. And, you know, me being me, I I knew I wanted to accept that challenge. That made me want to do it even more. So, um, he handed me this case, and I figured out how to put the thing together. Uh, the, I still remember the first day. I went home, I searched bassoon on Napster in the computer in my bedroom, and um, and listened to a, a Vivaldi concerto. And and as it said, the rest is history. Uh, it, it's it's been a really great relationship since.
0: It's funny because uh, both bassoon and and the French horn seem to be uh, arm twisters on band director's parts. Oh, yeah. they, they find the sucker and they reel them in. <laughs> yeah, I fell for it. <laughs> I, I was a victim of the French horn, personally. But, yep. you know... So you really... You started late as these things go. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the kids are picking these instruments up around 8 or 9. Uh, 11 is kind of a late start. But you must have done really well because you went off to college for this, right?
1: Yeah, I did. I was actually 12 years old. And, you know, it was the thing that... I loved to do the most. And and that's just the the plainest way I can say it. When I went home every day, I wanted to practice, and that's what I did. Um, So when it came time for me to go to college, music was what I knew and what I enjoyed. So um, I went to the University of Memphis, where, you know, in my hometown, and started as a music education major first. Um, Deep, deep into the program, I discovered that. You know, middle schoolers weren't my exact cup of tea, so I switched over (laughs) to performance and, uh, you know, graduated uh, University of Memphis with a bassoon performance degree, went on to study uh, bassoon at the University of Southern California. Um, And from there, I played with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra for two seasons, Um, subbed in a number of orchestras across the country, Uh, played with the Knoxville Symphony Orchestra for five seasons. Um, And it's in Knoxville where my career shifted uh, for the, you know, for the first big time since I had left school.
0: Well, what kind of uh, family did you grow up in? Uh, I can't imagine that you had any bassoonists in your family.
1: No bassoonists in my family. No, I'm I'm the oldest of six, the the only musician, not the only artist, but but the only musician. Um, And, you know, my parents saw my bassoon playing as a a great way for me to go to college. Uh, Neither of them had graduated from college. They were thinking about scholarships and all that sort of thing. Um, and it and it did end up being my ticket and 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 I'll say you know they even doubted whether or not I would stick with it uh, as a kid but uh, I didn't see any other path for me and and yeah it, it all worked out I'm very thankful. Now, clearly
0: they didn't understand that if a kid actually wants to practice this, yeah. is, this is a go.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but, but and, and you know it also speaks to um, access to information when it comes to classical music and when it comes to instrumental music uh, my parents just didn't understand uh, what a career like that could look like, and honestly, neither did I. I, I just kind of rode the wave uh, in, until it worked out, and, um, and 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 yeah, it's it's in, it's incredible when I think back to my path because, you know, every decision that was very important, I just happened to make the right one. I happened to be at the right audition, or you know, I happened to to practice hard enough the the night before wherever I was, and. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible. It's, a, you know, it's, it's been a bumpy road. It hasn't been completely smooth, but um, I've had it better than a, than a lot of people, so I'm, I'm nothing but grateful.
0: So you, you did, as you mentioned, take this little turn when you were in Knoxville, and you became an announcer. So what was it about you, the professional bassoon guy mm-hmm. in the orchestra? Why did you th- think maybe radio, you would give radio a shot?
1: Yeah, uh, I always kind of thought it would be fun, kind of cool to get into radio. And when the opportunity came at uh, WUOT in Knoxville, uh, I definitely, you know, j- jumped on the opportunity. And uh, when they decided to uh, decided to have me on, uh, I knew that a part of the the biggest thing I wanted to do was to a just demystify you know this idea of classical music for people who may not you know listen or or understand it but also broaden the way we think about classical music and including um, much more music by women um, much more music by living composers and uh, most importantly for me more music by composers of color specifically uh, black composers because there's a history there um, that isn't at the front of the conversation oftentimes and I knew that uh, if I had been given an opportunity uh, to to really program and and curate this experience for listeners, I wanted that to be a part of it, and and I found a lot of success in doing it, and it's it's that that's been a really incredible ride as well.
0: Yeah, from there you ended up as the overnight announcer now at uh, Classical Twenty Four. Mm-hmm. Are, are are they allowing you to continue this uh, this journey that you're taking through Africa? can American composers performers women composers are they letting you continue to tell these stories
1: oh absolutely and you know the the most incredible thing that i found uh, about working for american public media is that all of the announcers all of the producers all of the engineers have a connection to music but in a different way, so there are other musicians. There, are, you know, musicologists. There, there are uh, music historians, and and when all of you know our powers come together, we're uh, we're really able to to find ways to um, curate playlists and curate experiences that. Um, fit the hosts and fit um, the listening audiences. So it's definitely been a focus of mine since I've been there to uh, expose listeners to music by black composers. Um I was you know, I was very proud to produce, um, black history features for uh, American Public Media. Um, we celebrated our, our first Juneteenth at American Public Media with with a day of really special programming. It's been phenomenal, and I'm really uh, grateful uh, to my organization for really seeing and understanding my values and, and where I want to take them and what I want to do with it.
0: Well, that's kind of a, a, a keynote of uh, a public broadcasting, I absolutely,
1: think. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think I should uh, mention that um, I never really understood or knew anything about public radio until I started working for public radio in Knoxville. That's, you know, that's where i I discovered all of these incredible uh, public radio uh, shows and and just how important um, you know, classical radio, locally produced classical radio is in that regard. and um, and while my show, Um, overnight is national Um, you know it just it's I still think about the importance of that personal experience and and that companionship and um, yeah working for public radio has has only uh, strengthened my understanding and my love for for what it is
0: now the gateways festival is going to start uh, tomorrow and it runs it starts on August 6th runs through the 11th and you actually Garrett are the opening act
1: Absolutely. So uh, on day one I get to give uh, a few opening remarks. Um, There's going to be a a presentation followed by a panel discussion moderated by uh, yours truly uh, alongside uh, four or five other members of the Gateways Orchestra. Um, The topic of the discussion is is very broad. It's black people in the world of classical music, but within that broad topic, there are so many, there are a plethora of uh, discussions that can be had, whether it's um, comfort on stage, comfort in the hall, um, programming, are we playing enough um, music by Afro-Americans? Are we we, um, being the best representatives for the next generation of musicians of color. There's there's so many conversations, and um, I'm looking forward to to see where it goes, for sure.
0: And, you know, when I talk to Gateways performers, as I will on Friday for Backstage Pass, in fact, Bob Watt will be one of my guests yeah. for Backstage Pass, and he's your guest tomorrow, mm-hmm. a French horn player from L.A. Um, as I talk to the, the participants in Gateways, the one thing that... I hear every time is how important it is for you to sit in an orchestra that completely looks like
1: you. Yeah, it seems like it would be an arbitrary thing to many people we're all there for the music which we are but the reality is it's it's so rare for classical musicians of color specifically black classical musicians to sit beside someone who has shared life experiences um, you know based on race much less in the in the same orchestra so when you have you know a stage full of us there's just an experience there's a companionship that um, is is I can't say new for all of us, but not uh, it doesn't come often enough for us. So you know, when even though we're playing Rachmaninoff or even though we're playing Beethoven, there's a perspective on it uh, that is is really unique, considering the fact that each of us, based on our race, have this joint life experience and we so happen to also be classical musicians. So when you bring that together, there's nothing else like it in the whole world. You see,
0: I obviously don't have a sense of this because I am not black, and I am used to white orchestras. How does your life experience, Garrett, alter the way you embrace Beethoven?
1: Sure, sure. Well, um, Beethoven specifically, you know, there are all the stories about um, how his his grandmother may have been black and and that uh, that connects him with, uh, with with the diaspora in that way so those are you know when it comes to Beethoven specifically those are discussions we have all the time um, but you know we also think about the music of, of yesteryear and and yester century as it applies um, to to our history when we play that Beethoven uh, piano concerto or when we play that uh, Beethoven symphony you know we're actively thinking about what it means for us to be on that stage and to be playing this music and and having a connection to it for so many of us we're uh we're we're first generation which means music uh was our our ticket to college in my case our ticket to a profession that that we love and and uh and our ticket to a space in which we can share that love and that passion with other people who look like us, with 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 our communities, uh, just to reinforce the fact that this is something that we have always been involved with, and hopefully will always be involved with.
0: I see two problems with blacks and classical music. Problem one: the schools. Mm. Uh, it's not happening in the schools these days. Music in the schools is is. Um, um, teetering, shall yeah. we say. And the second problem, and uh, it's not that it's a problem, but it certainly is an issue, our parents. Because this is not the music of your parents' generation. Right. For the most part, parents, people who are your age, or parents who are, who are, who are the age of your parents, We're maybe listening to Motown, but Mm -hmm. certainly we're not listening to Mendelssohn. Right. So how does that happen? What do you do now with getting more African-American composers into classical music and and getting them younger into classical music?
1: I'll tell a a, a quick story. You mentioned Motown. So um, by the time I was getting okay with bassoon my first year, I began to... You know, listen to the music that my parents listened to, specifically my grandparents, and hearing the the sort of instrumental or, or, or orchestral qualities of the music. So I came across a little tune by Smokey Robinson called "Tears of a Clown," and instantly heard a bassoon. And when I was when I learned how to play that little ditty, you know, my my parents would come in my room and 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 see a connection there for me, and a connection there for them, so you know the the world of classical music and the world of instrumental music isn't so foreign it's just the conversation has uh ha- has been overlooked and and we haven't been um, you know a- a- as a people and and race aside just just across the board. we haven't really acknowledged how instrumental music actually applies to our lives so um so speaking from my perspective a, a, as a black person, um, you know, I, I always make it clear that, again, this is something we've always been involved with, and there are connections to be made that we just have to be reminded of. And uh, the Gateways Music Festival is does a great job of, of doing that for, for us, the musicians, as well as people uh, interested in coming to see the shows.
0: And you point out something important, because we've all been talking about where's the next generation of Classical musicians mm-hmm. and and so on and so forth. We we actually have this discussion I think annually every year yeah. <laughs> every year we panic, uh, but it does feel to me like it has been a very slow process for African Americans that that there hasn't been as 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 good an inflow of African American classical
1: musicians as there should have been. Mm-hmm. So, what's the holdup? From my perspective, well, let me first say that, you know, there are lots and lots and lots of black people in classical music, you know, have been there forever and have made, you know, great strides and and had very successful careers. You know, the the principal uh, clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic is is an Afro-American, you know, uh, uh, shout out to Anthony uh, McGill. Um, But as far as the influx that that you're speaking of, from my perspective, it, it comes down to access. I was really lucky to have a school music program um, that really valued what the possibilities were so I was in the band but my school also had an orchestra I took two years of uh, music theory uh, in, in my high school mm-hmm. so you know it was just you know I, I was I was really lucky to, to be a part of a program that valued that so um, schools that and stu- schools and students who don't have that access there needs to be a way to um, to, to help the powers that be understand the possibilities so um you know my opening a bassoon case at at 12 years old um you know led me to traveling the country and traveling the world and and now speaking with millions of of listeners a, a week i think um so many of us just don't understand what the possibilities are and even if um you know you don't end up doing music professionally the the kids i that, that I played in the band with have gone on to become doctors, to become lawyers, and, and I'm, I'm not saying those because those are the words we always say, but I do literally know doctors and lawyers now who play instruments. Um, and uh, you know, th- there's so much to learn there as far as uh, teamwork, as far as being something, uh, being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Um, you know discipline going home and practicing understanding your part in a whole there's so many lessons that can be learned through a a really effective music program and we need to revisit what some of those lessons are so that a we are not pigeonholing music education into well these people want to grow up to to play in an orchestra you know but we also need to revisit those conversations because music makes you smarter music makes you more compassionate music um touches on your emotional intelligence. There, there's, there's so much there. There's a plethora of things that a great music education will do for you. And we have to uh, do a better job of, of reminding administrations and, and, and people who deal with budgets you know, of, of those stories and, what's again, what's possible with a great music education.
0: I know you're giving opening remarks. So what's on your chest You know, let's say somebody can't get there at three o'clock at Hatch Recital Hall, Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow on on the 6th. I mean, what do you wanna get off your chest? When you walk out on that stage and you you begin to talk to the community that is in part gateways and in part people visiting gateways, Mm -hmm. what has to be heard?
1: I'm shaping the panel discussion and my opening remarks um, around Bob Watt's book, uh, Black Horn. It's, it's a really phenomenal book. As I read his book, all I saw was taking advantage and making the most of opportunity. Every single musician, you know, just despite your color, despite who you play with, despite the career path you take, we are all products of a very, um, you know, uh, of opportunity in, in a lucky way. I consider myself very lucky when I think about some of the things I've been able to do. So um, the, the big point that I think I want to make tomorrow, and I'm going to sleep on it, but the big point I think I want to make is that we have to take advantage of those opportunities. So what does that mean for musicians um, of the Gateways Orchestra? We have to make sure that we're, we're talking about it. We have to make sure that people know what this orchestra is, what this festival is and why it is and how it is and how it can grow it's up to each and every one of us to make sure that happens for people who aren't directly involved with the um, with the Gateways Festival there's opportunity there as well knowing about it having um, a connection to, to classical music that happens here in Rochester is something that shouldn't be taken for granted you know, uh, everyone has to uh, tell their family, tell people they uh, worship with, people they live with, ab- about what classical music is, and um, and in the process, um, you know, th- this whole thing can can grow, and you know, the, the, the bigger classical music grows, the big the bigger the music community grows, the uh, the uh, the better uh, of you know of a community we'll have, I think anyway.
0: For giving you for two minutes a magic wand and you can fix anything you want, what is it that you are going to fix first, Garrett?
1: With my magic wand, I would reshape programming when it comes to um, what orchestras play, when it comes to what folks like us air on the radio. There's so much music out there that... um, it's not Beethoven and Mozart and Bach, and I, and I love them, especially Mozart, I really do. But, um, but for so long, we've sort of overlooked a lot of these uh, pieces of music and some of these composers who have a story to tell that's a little different and that's a little more contemporary. So with My Magic Wand, I would make sure, you know, not an hour of radio programming, not, not a single orchestra concert happens without some music by a woman composer, a composer who's alive, or um, a composer of color, because we have, to, we have to make sure those stories are told as well. I love the um, you know, the old, dead European white men. Um, we've heard from them a lot, and, and, and it's time to, to, to broaden who we hear from.
0: Garrett McQueen, I am so happy that you were able to come in and chat with me today.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure.
0: Garrett McQueen is the overnight host at Classical 24. He is a bassoonist, and he is our guest today on this podcast. If you would like to find out more about the Gateways Music Festival, you can do so online and our website, classical915.org. I'm Julia Figueres. This podcast is a production of WXXI Public Broadcasting.